Welcome to Tales She Told Me, a podcast featuring honest conversation about what it means to be a woman, a mother, and in business. I'm your host, Farah Hadar. Today, we will be discussing resilience and grit. And joining me is Carrie Spranzi. Carrie is no stranger to resilience. Her experiences as a single teen mother, losing two loved ones to suicide, going through two divorces, and battling stage four colon cancer taught her how to use setbacks as springboards and turn failure into fuel. Through her coaching programs, Carrie teaches you to see that life is always happening for you and that you are a superhero because of what you've been through. Carrie, it is a pleasure to have you here to talk about resilience and grit. You know, we hear those words a lot today. People have it or they don't have it. Kids need it, how to build it, whether you're building it or are you really like just being too hard on these kids. So I I want to talk to you about this concept of resilience and why you think it's necessary. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Farah. I'm really excited to talk about this because as you said in your intro, I've been knocked down a lot. Mm -hmm. I've had to figure out what resilience means for me and how to cultivate it in myself time and time again. And I think why resilience for me, just like in a nutshell, is the ability to pick yourself back up when you get knocked down and continue to move forward towards your dream life, whatever that looks like, right? Sometimes we say these words like dream life and we think, oh, we've got to live the life of the Kardashians or something like that. But a dream life might just be, I don't want to stress about money anymore. I don't want to have to decide between food and gas. A dream life might be, I have a respectful, communicative relationship with my kids, right? So the the spectrum of dream life is huge. And resilience is the ability to continue to march, to step, to journey towards that dream life for yourself. Um, And I think it's really important for all of us to develop our own level of resilience and grit because life is hard. I mean, there's also this idea that life should be easy and it's, and it's not life is hard and what's hard for me might be easy for you and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of like watch life happen for other people through these filters of Instagram, social media, and TV. And we think, oh, they have it so easy, but we don't always know the truth. And again, what's easy for them, it might be hard for you and what's you know, easy for you might be hard for them. So there's really just no comparison and to develop the strengths and the tools so that you can handle your life as it comes out at you, I think is one of the most important skills we can develop. And one of the more most important gifts we can give to our kids. You know, I, I appreciate that so much. I had a friend, she was a phenomenal photographer and I was talking to her once and I'm like, Oh, you can grow your business and you can do this and you can do that. And I remember her pausing and looking at me and she said, you know, Farah, my dream was to be a mom. That's all I've ever wanted. And this is my dream. So yeah, I could do all that, but it's not my dream. Right. So, and I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's incredible. (laughs) You know, I'm so glad that you wanted to to do that. So I totally appreciate that, you know, what a dream life is, but I want to kind of circle back to what we initially started with. So we have this idea of resilience and, and yes, Mm -hmm. pursuing your, your life. 
But where do you draw the line kind of between resilience and you're not taking care of your mental health? You're just pushing through because I I find people confuse that a lot. So I'd, I'd love to take your perspective on it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Farrah, such a good question. A hundred percent, right? Because there's also this enmeshed and entangled in this resilience and grit is also this idea of like hustle, do more, be more, strive more, and you'll have more. Right. But as we've seen probably within ourselves, but also as a society, rates of burnout from our jobs are higher than ever. Rates of depression are higher than ever, right? Divorce is huge. People aren't getting along with their families. All of this is because I think in one way, we're trying to sort of keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to keep up with this idealized image of what life should look like and like should be. And when it, when the wheels aren't turning like that, or like the example of your friend, that's not, that's truly not something that we want, but it's the, it's something we think we should want. So we keep pushing. Meanwhile, it's just chipping away at our souls. So I think, I think the line for me is to one of the tests that I use for myself, because I am a type a FOMO junkie. I do not like to miss out. I like to do all the things all the time. And I, and I'm just a hard worker. And maybe that comes from me being a young single mom at 18 like kind of being forced to just make it work. Yeah. But that burnt me out because I, I, I made that mean something about who I was. The, the busier I was, the more in demand I was, the more worthy and uh, valuable I felt. That broke me. And so now the line for me or the test is if it's a reluctant yes, it should be a no. Yeah. If it's a... Yes, I could do that. I say, yeah, Farah, I'll help you out with that. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, then I need to re- rearrange this and do that. And then that means I need to pack my lunch. And then maybe the kids could go here. And like, like if I'm doing all those mental gymnastics by telling you, yes, I should say, I would love to help you out with that. That is not going to work for me right now. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I think that for me is kind of like my initial threshold, that first gate that I need to walk through. And then there are other questions that I teach my clients to kind of go through to figure out like, where is that line for you? And I think also uh, connected to that is learning how to use your no and have your no not also come with, I'm sorry, or an explanation to the person and to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You You know, I got to tell you, I love that part where you say where we, we equate accomplishment with value, right? Mm -hmm. That we somehow don't have intrinsic value just because we exist. Exactly. That's something I have struggled with so much. Like, you know, I'm kind of like you, I'm a type A FOMO, like, you know, I'll do 15 things in a day. And, and, and I, and, and part of me enjoys it. I, I like the, I like being busy. Right. Same. But another yeah. part of me, as I grow older, and I think this is sometimes a perspective you get is just like, wh- why? Yeah. Why does it matter? Like if I'm only doing this so that someone else can say, wow, and I shouldn't do it. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. I mean, I got such a hit. I was almost addicted to the, wow, I don't know how you're doing it all. 
And I'm like, yeah, look at me. Aren't I amazing? But then I would fall down and, you know, behind the scenes and cry and be stressed out of my skull and say to my mom, I feel like all I'm doing is like picking at and bickering and yelling at my kid to stop this or that. Whereas if I just slowed down, yeah, none of that would happen to me. But then if I'm not busy, then what am I worth? And I think for me, that, that came from my, from me being raised in the Mormon church and this whole, like, original sin. Yeah. I don't know if Mormons believe in original sin. I'm sorry. That's a Catholic. No, you're totally, no, we don't believe in original sin. We, as if I'm I'm not part of the church anymore, but like, they don't believe in original sin, but they do believe that you were put here on this planet to work, to have kids, to sow the seeds of God, to like that your worth as a, as a human being is in your work, in your worth ethic and what you do. And while, you know, I think all of that, right. Giving back to your communities, helping others, you know, helping make the world and and our place better. It's, it's not, in exchange for your own personal health and mental health and your own soul and your own beliefs. That's, that's where I finally came to of just like my whole life is not to sacrifice for everyone else. <laughs> it's for you me know, first. Yeah. And I think as a woman, you know, kind of like I, I, I used to say to people, every idea I have of womanhood is buried in my own sacrifice is, is totally. hinged on my own sacrifice. If you want to be a good mother, you're going to sacrifice your time and your body and your sometimes sanity for your kids. And if you want to be a good wife, you serve and take care of that person. And if you want to be a good daughter, then you serve your parents. And if you want to be, it's all around service and sacrifice. And it's so funny because I actually, I'm Muslim. So mm-hmm. we don't believe in an original sin. That's, you know, Adam and Eve fell and that was their punishment and it was over. And then, you know, a kids Amen. are born innocent, right? Um, unlike, you know, in, in certain Christianities where kids are born with sin already attached to them. Um, right. So, but, but still that idea that I need to perform to have value exists. And it's such, it's such a toxic idea. And I see so many women that are just like, they're, they're checking the boxes, right? Like, but do you really totally. need to? So yeah. tell me what beliefs you think. So we're going to transition a little bit here. Tell me what beliefs you think are key to having resilience. I, I think first and foremost, I think you're, you're so right in what you just said about how for almost from the moment of birth, we are set up and told you now you are born a sinner. And now you from this point forward need to prove your worth, your worthiness of joy and happiness and all of these things. Right. Um, So I think I think the number one belief for resilience is that you are worthy of joy and happiness. Full stop. Yep. You are worthy of joy and happiness. That's it. Um, And, and when you, can believe that, then I think you can start to detach the hard, crappy things that happen to us in life as something you deserved, as something that you earned, Mm -hmm. as something that is, goes on the, the 
accounting sheet of your life. Yeah. You know, like demerits and tick marks and, and that type of thing. It's like, no, you are worthy of joy and happiness. That's it. Yeah. And life happens. And the two are not connected. There are consequences to actions, right? Like, of course, yeah. Consequences for actions, but that doesn't mean that that you aren't worthy, that that you're a horrible person, right? That that you don't deserve forgiveness and love and compassion and all of those kinds of things. It's just you made a decision, and that decision has consequences. That's it. It's it, it, there's there's no more entanglement with that. You know, it's so funny because somebody was saying to me the other day, or I was listening, maybe I was listening to a podcast. I don't know. I listen to a lot of things, but, <laughs> um, you know, they were saying like everyone, when something bad happens, they go, why me? I must have done something to deserve this instead of just saying, why not me? Life can right. be crappy to anybody and that's okay. And it has nothing to do with my worth as a person. And when you see it like that, it just be like, you know, I, for some reason, I don't know, for me, that idea made resilience that much easier. It's like, it's not about me. It's just something crappy that happened and we're just going to deal with it and it's going to be okay. Right. Like, and, and maybe I think that people, because they associate it with their worth, maybe they say, oh, well, this proves I'm a bad person. And that proves that I'm never going to have joy and happiness again. A hundred percent. Or I don't have what it takes. To yeah. keep joy and happiness around, to create joy and happiness for myself, to recognize happiness. I just don't deserve to be happy. Or because I and made then, one bad decision, I'm always going to make that bad decision. Exactly. Exactly. It's never going to work out for me. And then we get that narrative in our head. And then that sort of becomes the operating system that we, that we go through life with which then causes us to make decisions that have consequences that reinforce this and round and round and round we go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, e- even in you at the beginning, you kind of read through my rap sheet, if you will, <laughs> my, my, bio, my bio and the things that I've been through. And, and listen, I don't, I don't mean to, to sound to you or to the listeners that like, I don't get down. I don't get angry. I don't get discouraged. I don't get, I do. When, when stage four colon cancer hit me, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I think I even said like, why me? I have been working so hard to take care of myself. And now this, I was pissed. I was really mad, but then it was like, okay, I think, you know, I, I, one of my core beliefs is that we, there's really, we have two options in life. That's it. We can, we can change or we can accept. That's it. Now that doesn't mean that we have to accept it forever. And it also doesn't mean that it's okay, but I had to get to a point where I was like, okay, I, you know, like I hate it, but cancer is happening. I accept it. So the minute I accepted it, then I could say, okay, what aspects of this do I have control over? Not a whole lot, to be honest. I do have control over how I'm going to feel, how I'm going to behave, how I'm going to react to those feelings. So if I'm battling this every day, I'm going to make a point to notice the things in my life I'm grateful for. I'm going to spend time with the people in my life that I love. I am going to consciously look for, I call the glittery bits, the little spills that happen in and amongst all the crap that's going on. 
because it there, they are always there. Sometimes it can be really hard to see. And I stage four colon cancer. Sometimes my thing I was grateful for was indoor plumbing. Like, thank goodness I have indoor plumbing because if I didn't, this would be a much more challenging and messier situation. Right. So like it can just be small things, but there, there's always something good in your life. Do you have a new belief that you've adopted recently that has helped you? A new belief that I've adopted recently. Uh, You know, I think, I don't know that it's a new belief, but it's one that I kind of forgot about and have circled back to and kind of put, put to the forefront, the one that I'm focusing on right now, which is we are, I think it came from Brene Brown initially is where I first heard it. But this idea that we are all doing the very best we can all the time with the tools and information that we have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I now am, I, I'm an American who now lives in Amsterdam. So I'm having to learn a new culture and a new language. I've started my life coaching business. I've never run a business before. So I'm figuring that out and I'm having to get on Instagram and Facebook and do reels and all that business, because that's just how you market a business nowadays. I don't know anything about, I'm a grandma for goodness sakes. I don't know how to do any of that. But I just like this, giving myself some grace and forgiveness to say like, hey, sister, you're doing the best you can today with the tools and the information that you have. Just take a breath. It's, it's all going to be okay. You're doing the best you can. Just keep going. Do you, think, That's, yeah. do you think women are a little harder on themselves than men? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I look at my husband. Mm-hmm. He... I am my nickname for him. He might kill me when he listens to this, but I my, my, I joke and call him my little peacock because in the cutest, sweetest, most mm-hmm. self care and affirming way, when he walks past our full length mirror in our house, it's literally like a peacock stepping and then his feathers unfurl you know, and he stands there and he's like, Ooh, I look good. And then he's like, man, I look good for a 40, whatever something he is. And for a grandpa and I walk past the mirror and here I have given birth to a child. I've survived stage four colon cancer, which was a colostomy and ileostomy, five abdominal surgeries, like all of that. And I walk past and I'm like, Oh, I don't like the way my thighs jiggle. And Oh, I don't like this. And now I don't like that. Or my husband walks by and he's like, damn, brother, you looking good, you know? And I watch him and I'm just like, I need, I need a little more peacock energy in my life. You know, he reminds me to just like appreciate myself and to not be so damn hard on myself. Yeah. Why we as women feel like we have to carry the world on our shoulders. You know, it's, um, it's so challenging for me sometimes because when I talk to a lot of women, it's, you know, we're, we're just ingrained. And I even see it like, even though I raised my child, um, I'm raising my, my daughter to, to try and not be that way. It, it's just so ingrained in us to always have this humility and this, oh no, you know, I'm not that great. Like, you know, you've done 15 things like you're the woman who has done the 15 projects but you're just like oh you know they were just little things and i it's just ingrained in us and i i try to always interrupt when i'm talking to other women try to interrupt that pattern for them 
Like, no, that wasn't a little thing. If a man had done that, he would have never survived. Exactly. And then, and then, and then I just go quiet and they kind of like, look at me like, and this, this almost fear comes on them. Like, like owning it means something they're not ready to do. And it's, it's, it's very um, interesting. And honestly, a little sad. Um, Yeah. I think it's this idea of like, girls were taught to be seen, not heard. Yes. And to like speak when spoken to and to keep our voices low and be nice little girls, not brave little girls. And, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it is such a disservice and uh, we're just not used to tooting our own horns and I'm, I'm all for leading the band on that. And I'm not a hundred percent, but you know, I'm oh, I'm not, yeah, I'm nowhere near a hundred percent at all. Yeah. But you know, what I also think is we pay a price when we do it. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I yeah. can't tell you, I've literally been told by men, you're really nice, but you know, you're a little too much, right? This concept yeah, of you're too yeah. much. Yeah, and, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm seeing like in this younger generation, and again, I, this younger generation is like, man, I don't know. Do you I have know. children? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure. Do you have children? I do. I have, I have one son, but he's 28. Um, oh, okay, and so. so I have a grandson. Yeah. I have a grandson, but I, I have nieces and nephews, right. Yeah. Who were in their teenage years. And yeah, they're, they're, you know, different in all the best way. I don't mean different. I'm not criticizing, you know, they're different in a a lot of beautiful ways. I am very concerned about, um, I love that they talk about mental health and stuff, but sometimes I think they just label themselves and then they use the label as like, okay, as an excuse, you know, like, I don't know, you can label, you're right. This is a mental health issue, but now like, the next step is let's deal with it and move on. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, I, yeah, but I, you know, I, to your point, I, I would like to just change the word a little bit and because yes, so much right now we're in this like labeling mm-hmm. and for me labeling, I have ADHD. I'm on the spectrum. I have burnout, you know, I'm non-binary, whatever, like labeling it when you label something for me, it kind of like comes with all of this other stigma. As baggage. Whereas when you just, yeah, as baggage and then, but as opposed to, if you just name it, I'm feeling depressed, mm. you know, I, yeah, I have been diagnosed with ADHD. Then you, you don't have to necessarily identify with that. Right. Does that make sense? Like you don't have to use that as, as a crutch. And I'm saying, I'm just saying, I mean, like, it's helpful to name what's happening to us and to name what we're experiencing and to name what we're feeling and naming and labeling can, can, like I said, kind of get all tangled up with like, then it becomes our identity, which sometimes it needs to be right. If we're talking about transgendered or non-binary and to some extent, maybe even ADHD and some mental health stuff. And that doesn't then um, relinquish your responsibility to build the happiest, bravest life that you can find the tools, do the work to make that part of who you are work for you rather than hold you back and limit you. And I think right there is what resilience is for me, right? How do we take 
what's happened in our lives. How do we take the things that have knocked us down? Like we said in the beginning, how can we turn your setbacks into springboards and your failures into fuel? And that is naming it, seeing what really is there. And then how can I use that to build my best, brightest, most happy, joyful dream life, whatever that looks like for me. So, okay. So let's say someone's listening to this and they say, okay, I want to develop more resilience in my life. What is the first thing you would advise them to do or think or change? I think the first step to resilience is to practice. I know like we say practice gratitude lists and people like roll their eyes. I would say before you start with the gratitude list, work on developing the practice of noticing the good things that happen in your life. The person that holds the door open for you. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have indoor plumbing, the fact that it's summertime as we record this, it's a hundred degrees outside and you have air conditioning or maybe access to air conditioning, right? Like start the practice of being able to simply notice the positive good things that are happening in your life because they are always there. Once you get in the habit of just noticing those, then we can expand that to things like gratitude lists and stuff like that. But we've, we've got to just begin to develop our awareness that life isn't all bad. Yeah. Bad things happen, but life isn't all bad all the time. It just isn't. No, it isn't. And and unfortunately as humans, I think we're wired to see the negative first, but Mm -hmm. You're right. If we make a conscious effort, then things do get better. So Carrie, I hate to end this fascinating conversation, but we're kind of running out of time. Um, It was a pleasure having you. If you'd like to hear more from Carrie, you can also follow her on Instagram at Carrie Spranzi on Facebook at Carrie on coaching. She is also offering a self care starter kit on her website, www.carryoncoaching.com. All those links will be in the show notes to make. So make sure check it out. As always, I'd love to hear from you about this episode. What does joy or resilience look like to you? Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at Farah Haydar. I'm also giving away a PDF of some of the best quotes we've had on the show. Beautifully designed to print, cut, paste, whatever you like. Email me at Farah at farahaydar.com with quotes in the subject line. Talk to you soon. Till then, chase your happy.